Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Hey guys, welcome back. Romans study, week eight. Can you imagine that? It's been eight weeks. We were uh, sitting in worship and... I was singing, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And we all know that we're surrounded by his presence. But are you conditioning yourself to hear what he has to say in that battle? And I think that's why we go into the word and why we study his word is so we hear, we understand what his voice sounds like, who his character is. We can recognize him amidst the chaos, amidst the enemy's attacks. We can recognize his voice. And it reminded me of a story. When I used to work in the petrochemical industry, I used to operate a boiler, a really large boiler, and there was a little control room that I spent most of my days in, but there's a, there's a, in the boiler room where all the controls and everything for the boiler were at, it was a classified area, and anybody in the industrial um, sector understands that a classified area means that everything is subject to explosion, so it's, you have to ma- maintain um, no, no sparks, no flammable gases emitted, like it's a very controlled area. And I'm supposed to go and I'm supposed to inspect this area three or four times per shift. It's very loud in this little tiny room. The room's about the size of that sound booth. And in that room, there's 50 horse pumps, there's 30 horse pumps spinning at hundreds of RPMs, there's gas regulators, gas pressure being expelled, there's noises everywhere, loud noises, you have to wear ear protection, and there's all kinds of noises around you, and there's this huge air intake fan that blows air into the boiler, like a 36 inch air intake fan and gas reducers. And it's just, it's very noisy, whistles and rumblings and sounds, very loud. You have to wear wear hearing protection in this room. But I go in this room at least four times a shift, at least four times a day, for 160 something, 180 something days a year for three years. I go in this room and it's chaos, but I recognize the chaos. So when I hear something that's out of place, I can hear a pinhole leak in the backside of a regulator expelling gas. And I said, that's not, that's not the right sound. And I, I recognize this sound. That's not a sound I recognize. 
And sure enough, gas readings, there was a pinhole leak. Nobody could, fa I, I don't know how, but it had to, had to do with trying, I, recognizing voices that were separate from the atmosphere around me. So to be able to recognize that in that chaos, that's what we want. We want to be able to recognize God's voice in that chaos, to be in his will, to, to understand where he's guiding and directing us. Um, so that's just a real purpose for really diving into the word um, in case, you know, 13 chapters in, you're like, yeah, why are we keep, you know, going through this? Why? It's, we really want to know the voice of God. So whenever it does present itself, it's distinct from the voices around us. Again, you have to position your heart to want to receive and to want to hear and to tune yourself into his voice. You know, you have, you have to ask him, I want to know your voice, and you have to intentionally press in. I, I love what Robbie Dawkins says. He says that the Holy Spirit, when he speaks to you, it's as soft as a feather grazing your arm, and you can either dismiss it or you can stop and you can listen, and that's why it's so important for us to position our heart, and it's why so much when you dive into his, wor in, into his word, he tells us to listen and to hear. It's all over his word, to listen and to hear. It's two separate things. That you must do both, and you have to tune your ear to him. So I pray that you guys all do that tonight. And just prepare your hearts for what he wants to speak to you through us. This is not a deliverance tonight of we think you should glean this from this message. We really want you guys to receive individually what Holy Spirit, what Father God has for you to receive tonight. So, Father, we just pray for your word, your message to directly be implanted into each brother and sister here tonight and for them to receive what you have for them, for them to tune their ears to hear what you are specifically speaking to them. So we thank you for your word because it is the most, your word is over and above your name. Your word is everything, his word. He exalts his word over his name. So I thank you that the more we hear your word, the more that we dive into it, the more that we press into it, it gets written on our hearts and it changes who we are. And I just thank you that each one of my brothers and sisters is going to receive what you have for them tonight. Thank you. Just bear with me, too. I've, he's been wrecking me all day. So if I'm up here crying, just, just <laughs> ignore it. It's just him. <laughs> he's so good. So we uh, last week, we, we uh, spent the evening in Romans chapter 12, and we were preparing to move into 13, um, and I really feel like we wanted to move into 13 last week, but the Lord had a purpose for us to delay and move into it tonight. I think there's some uh, 
some purpose and comfort and timing in this. His word will give us what we need in, this, in these moments. So why don't we go ahead and just dive into uh, Romans 13, 1 through 7. We are starting from the beginning. Okay. Did you want to start at the end and work backwards? Hey, sometimes that works. We get a new perspective on it. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to read it out of New King James. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Then do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Surrender, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. So in the midst of what we're all observing right now, there is a struggle with honor and there's a struggle with understanding God's design and purpose. We want one thing, we're struggling, we're seeing something else happening and we really have to stand still and know that he has a purpose. Be still and know that he is God. That's, that's what we need to be in this moment right now. Um, because if we do act, we, we will be acting out of the flesh, I believe, um, in this moment. This is a moment that is creating tension and creating a, a welling of this natural, this natural instinct or frustration or... There is a there's something that there is something fleshly about it right now, and, and, it, and I think that it's that's the purpose for what we're experiencing. That's how the enemy is going to is going to uh, direct us with this natural reaction. So we need to try to approach this from a spiritual mind and remember. There are times when civil disobedience is, is uh, acceptable in Scripture. Um, in Acts chapter 4, let's go ahead and turn there, 4.13. This is uh, New Living. 413. Um, 
And the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred with, amongst themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed this miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading this propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles. These are the leaders in their community. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them to never speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. And the council then threatened them further. But they will finally let them go because they did not know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God. For this miraculous sign, the healing of the man who had been lame for more than 40 years. So they said, we cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. They cannot stop speaking the gospel message. They cannot stop speaking about the hope in Jesus Christ. So this is an instance where, yes, it, is, it would be improper for us as believers to stand behind and honor an authority with this type of demand or this type of amendment or this type of, if it, if it stops us from spreading the gospel freely, if it stop, tries to stop God's word from working freely, then we have to act. Amen. But that's not, that's not before us right now. It could be in the future. I was thinking of Governor Newsom's um, statement that he was not going to allow churches to sing in California, and everybody said, oh, really, and ignored that. So. Yeah, there's an instance right there. Yeah, I mean, we're called to praise him in the midst of our enemies. We just sang about that this, just a few minutes ago. Worship is our warfare. So there are moments, but like I said, this, is, this does not quite fit into that category. Be, where, be mindful, be watchful, but be honoring. Because God created a, a structure of authority from the beginning. He said, don't eat from this tree. He was placing himself in authority with that one simple statement. So from the beginning, even in the, in the garden, even in per, when we were destined to be perfect, there was still authority through one law. Through one law. Um, and we all know what happened when that authority was usurped. Um, yeah, Eve and I are going to sit down and we're going to talk about that one of these days. 
Eve. <laughs> so, honey, a snake, really? So it says to do good works. It says, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be afraid of the authorities? No. Then do what is good. There was a time when every single time I saw a police officer driving behind me, I freaked out. Every time I was driving, because I was either high or drinking and driving, or I had something, something illegal in my car, I never had peace when I saw a police officer. It was a, it was a, in hindsight, looking back at that old life, that's a miserable existence. To be constantly afraid of this authority figure, having fear they might find something out. And when Christ stepped in and radically shifted our course and called us into this new life, there was a moment where I pulled out of the driveway and was driving somewhere, probably to the gas station, and a police officer pulled out and I smiled because I had nothing to fear. <laughs> there was no evil that he might uncover. But that's what the authority's there for. So as long as we do good, we have nothing to fear. When, and there's something else that me and Alicia were just talking about was, right now there's two, there's a very polar opposite situation in America. And one side, the side that I'm hoping and praying all of us are on, the side that supports what's written in this scripture, we're equipped for persecution as believers, as Bible-believing Christians. We're equipped to stand against the enemy. The other side of this argument has no equipping to withstand if, if they don't get their way. They have, they have no way of, uh, of withstanding that attack on their person or on their ideology. They have no way. So they act out in violent manners. They act out in slanderous manners. They act out in malicious manners because they don't have the tools and the equipping to withstand it. We have that. We have the supernatural presence, wisdom, knowledge. We have the word. We have our father, our protector. We have all these things. And we need to, we need to act like we have the equipment as we go into this next season. So um, I guess we can go ahead and move on into um, 8 yeah. through 10. Or so this is titled, Love Your Neighbor. 
And the rest of what we're going to be reading, you know, Daniel just talked about it, is honor. That's something that I think that he really wants to get across tonight when we dive into this, is honor. He had me go back and read Romans 12 over and over and over and over again. It's transforming the mind, loving your neighbor. And I think he's calling this church to be a Romans 12 house. Because it's not something, we have a lot of improvement. We have a lot of improvement needed and we need to be a house that honors one another. And we're gonna be covering that a little bit tonight. So I just want you to, he's just been wrecking me with honor. So, Lord, we just thank you. So verse eight, owe no one anything except to love one another for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you should not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, they're all summed up in this one saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself because love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness, lust, strife, and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for your flesh to fulfill its lusts and desires. Bear false witness. Do not bear false witness witness. Love does no harm to a neighbor. We spent several chapters talking about love, the law of love versus the the uh, when we first came to this church there was so much bearing of false witness and it's still prevalent. So just To bear false witness, when you come into agreement with a lie about a fellow brother and sister, that is bearing false witness. When the enemy comes against a brother and sister, if you partner with that lie, you gossip about that person, that is bearing false witness. And that is one of the Ten Commandments, and that is something that is not talked a lot about in the church, that gossip and partnering with a lie about a fellow brother and sister is, a, is one of the Ten Commandments we're not supposed to do. And I just, everybody at the sound of my voice, just heed that. Repent if you've partnered with it and hold fast not to do it. You know, when the first 
shockwave that came through Global after we had come, the first thing we had were people coming up to us bearing false witness about leaders of this church. And I stopped them in their tracks and I said, I don't want to hear a word. That's between you and the Lord. I don't want to hear a word. And they got so angry that I would not listen to them, partner with them, and slander and trash this church and the leadership of this church. I had no idea what I was not being a partner of. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But it's something that I see a lot in the body of Christ. And there is no honor in that. There is no love in that. And that is what the Father really wanted to point out. That if we love each other, truly love each other with the Father's love, then we won't partake in these commandments. We won't partake in harming our brother or sister in any way. And if we do inadvertently, we're very quick to make amends and repent and ask for forgiveness. And that's the kind of church that I see us being. And then you go into verse 11 and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believe. You know, Chris Valentin, I love Chris Valentin. I received so much from him. And he talks so much about time and Cairo's time. And if you want to get, and I was like, Lord, do you want me to get into time and go into Cairo's time? I, you know, I could spit out Chris Valentin's teaching on that. And the Lord said, I don't want you to regurgitate somebody else's teaching. That's not what I have tonight. I want to talk to you about the sleeping church. And he said, two years ago, when you moved downtown, what was the first thing that I started having you pray and intercede? And I said, to awaken the sleeping giants. And he said, yes, because so much of my church is asleep. So I looked up the word sleep, and it means spiritual torpor which means sluggish inactivity, lethargic indifference, and a state of suspended physical powers and activities. That is what the enemy has done to our church, which is why our world is in the state that it is in. That's what we've allowed Thank to you. happen Thank you. in the church. Thank you. We have to take ownership of that. I'm sorry. And he was saying, you have to wake up. Up. And right now, we all have, I've been battling this. There are times where I'm like, Lord, just let your will be done. And there's a part of me that doesn't want to engage in the prayer warfare that he's asking me to do because we've been in this place for months and months and months, and we're pressing and we're praying and we're decreeing and we're going, oh my gosh, is it going to go this way or that way? One minute I feel like I know, and the next minute I don't. And there's a part of me that wants to step back and just, can I just rest knowing it's all going to be okay at the end? And he's saying, no, no, I need you to work right now and get ready to continue to work because it's just beginning. It's just beginning, which is why we have to be still and know that I am God. Because to be able to work the way that he needs us to work and press in, we have to be resting in him and standing on his word and his promises, knowing that he has it all, but we have to partner with him. 
everything, it was so confirmed in intercession prayer this morning. Thank you. I'm, I love how he works. It was just confirmation across the board. So just want you guys to all prepare. We have to keep pressing in because we have been asleep at the wheel and the wrong person has been driving this bus and it's time for the church of God to stand up and get a hold of that wheel and drive this country the way that it needs to be and it all starts and ends with prayer it all starts and ends with decreeing and declaring this word out so that we can change the hearts yeah, we're blessed to live in a country where the more people side with an ideal, the more that ideal becomes reality. That is a blessing. It is. Um, so we do have an opportunity in this country to drive the governing forces in a direction if we wake up, if we stand together, if we unite, if we, you know, he speaks about our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. It speaks of this progress, this progression. And I believe it speaks to a progression of growth in our, our faith as we grow, not just in age or in size for some of us, but <laughs> as we grow in our faith, there's a progression. Um, maturity. A maturity. And I think that this verse really speaks to that maturity or that maturing action. And when we're asleep, when the church is asleep, there's no growth. The enemy can overtake you. You're not, you're not equipping yourself. You're not preparing yourself. You're not standing, you're not standing on the wall. And you're, you're, so we're really missing an opportunity for that spiritual growth, for that ability to stand firm together and make changes and change hearts. Yes. That's the key. If, I mean, we have to reach out to the people that are hurting or that are believing lies or that are seeking the flesh. We have to bring a new heart to them. We have to bring a new understanding to them. They have to, and, and it's not something that we can just tell them. They have to see it and believe it and receive it. So we can talk about it till they're blue in the face, but if they don't partner with it, if they don't see a purpose for it, if they don't see a change or, or just, you know, a benefit, it's going to be a struggle. Daniel? Got a microphone? afraid to share this. As you know, I'm a missionary to the Philippines, and I have a fiancé over there. And she's been doing evangelism in, well, we actually have two houses. <laughs> and she was talking to me and saying, what must I do, Daniel? And I said, what's wrong, Arlene? She goes, we have 22 people now from our neighborhood that come to our house and I lead a, uh, a Bible training session for them. And she goes, and it's against the law. She goes, we are only allowed by the Philippine lockdown law to have 10 Macs in our house. What do you want me to do? And one side of me was really afraid because I know what the penalty is. 
If the military police go into our house and see 22 people in our house, well, my fiance could forfeit her life or could end up in jail. And my heart was just pounding and I was really scared. <clears throat> and I'm an evangelist and missionary myself. And the Lord spoke to me and said, are you going to let fear stop what you're doing? You're reaching the lost. Many are getting saved. And I said, no, I can't, Lord, but I don't want to risk losing my fiance. And he said, well, you're going to have to trust me, Daniel. So I told her, I feel like the Lord is saying you're supposed to continue, Arlene. She's right now having that meeting. Same Wednesday we are. She has it earlier in the morning, though. And uh, I've been praying for her that God will extend his protection. And this has been going on for some time now. So uh, I still battle with fear in my heart. And I'm going, this fear is, is real. That song was real. Obeying God is real. And I just thought I'd share that with you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. We just pray right now, just protection over her, protection over the house, protection over the revival that's happening, just protection over the hearts of all of those involved, Lord. And we just thank you that your hand of protection is over them. And I thank you for your angels that are standing guard over the door, Lord. And I thank you that the eyes and ears are closed to what's happening that need to be closed, Lord. So we just thank you that your hand is on on them in Jesus name in Can Jesus I name a, I want to share a scripture as well um, this morning an intercessory prayer was really very confirming about where we are but it was uh, Philip Garris gave a word out of Exodus 14 that I think is appropriate for right now uh, you know the story the Israelites had their back up against the Red Sea the Pharaoh was coming and they start complaining. They cried out to the Lord, you know, and to Moses, why have you taken us here that we could have died in Egypt? Uh, and at that point, Moses stands up in Exodus 14 and verse 13. Moses tells the people, don't be afraid. Stand still. We, I don't know how many times you said that tonight, Alicia. Stand still and watch. The Lord will rescue you today. We sang the song with no fear, right? The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. King James says, hold your peace. So as we stand and he fights our battles. So I just feel there's a message tonight for us here as well as those online that uh, we're just to stand, be at peace, and he's God. He's got this. Yeah. yeah. And the rest of 13, wake up. And the sin that you're doing... Just stop it. Just he stop it. He ends the chapter with this, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Just no provision for the flesh. Stop doing the things that the lust. Lord is convicting you not to do. It's as simple as that. We've already come to the end of ourselves. Oh, wretched man that I am. So stop it. That's the rest of Romans 13. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. And when you stop it, he blesses you more than you could ever imagine. And then you think, why did I waste so much time 
When you stop feeding the flesh, you start realizing there's ways to feed the spirit. Yes. Yes. It's a different. So it, it's a. It's a different life. It's a changing life. It's when I when I stopped when I was in the midst of smoking and drinking and all these things. I I couldn't imagine myself not doing those things. I I couldn't even picture like what I, I was like. Man, that sounds so boring. Who would I be? I would be nobody. I would be nothing. But when you put those things down, you open up this whole new realm of possibility, this whole new experience of joy and being able to be in the presence of the Father is an amazing experience. Just here, just here a half an hour or an hour ago, sitting in the presence and worship of the Father, feeling his presence here with us is such an amazing experience that I would never have even imagined that being a possibility. It's, it's amazing. But you have to set aside those fulfillments of lust, of, the, of lust. You have to make no provision for the flesh. You have to open yourself up. Get down, old man. And stomp that old man down. Kick the old man down. Because there, are, there is another life. There is another Renew life after that. Renew and transform that. this mind. There is there a is. new life. And, and it's so worth all the persecution. It's so worth all of the dangers that come with it. It's because it's, he's, he's, he's awesome. All right, 14, the law of liberty. Let's, uh, let's read one through nine. Okay. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does observe it. He does not observe it. He who eats, he eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. So, 2,000 years ago, life was a little more simple than it is now which means that the things available to you to do, take up your time, the concerns you might have with the world, they were a little more simple. They weren't as com complex as, as we know them today. Society grows just like we grow. We get more complex as individuals. Society grows and becomes more complex. So in this moment in time, I believe Holy Spirit's showing me that He's using these examples, food, observance of, of special days, 
These are examples of things that, are, that everyone has in common. So nowadays, we have many more things in common. Our society is much more complex. So I believe that these concepts that he's using can be used in more than just in our food or just in our days that we keep holy. So this is a, this is a, this is a concept. He's using these as examples to explain a concept of liberty. And it's also of honoring each other in where we are in faith. We just talked about this progression in faith that he alluded to in the la- at the end of the last chapter, this progression of faith. And we're all in this different area in this progression. He says, receive one who is weak in the faith and do not dispute over doubtful things. So there are many things that could or could not be so when we hold something as truth to ourself, there are many things in this life that we cannot hold to be true to someone else as well, because this is a law of liberty. And we read earlier in, in chapter six why he uses some of the terminologies that he uses. Um, so it's just so that the word law of liberty doesn't trip you up. He says, uh, I just want to go back and, and read that really quick. And also, remember, we're talking about Jews and Gentiles. So we have the very religious, the very law-following Jews, where their diet, the things that they ate, they did not eat, that was very much a huge part of their lifestyle, their culture, their everyday life. And remember, he's trying to get them to be unified and to come together. So he's saying, you know, what the Jews, what your, so much of their diet and and the Sabbath day that they observed, he's saying that is right. And also the Gentiles, they don't observe any of that. They don't eat the way that they do. That's also right. And we'll expound on that yes, here shortly. Yes, we will. So just remember, this is, that's so another reason. So as far as the law of liberty, and we go back to 6, we read in chapter 6, verse 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. So he starts his letter, he starts this message explaining that he's going to use terminology that we can understand because of our weakness in flesh. So he's not saying it's a law, but he's using that as a term that we all understand to convey a type of structure in this new paradigm that he's been laying out this whole book. So just just a point I wanted to make since, since we're going back into this uh, terminology. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he... There's... Lord, you know, when I was reading this, and I just kept reading it over and over and over again, and, and there's a few things that he's saying here. One, do not dispute over doubtful things. Quit arguing and disputing things of no substance. Things that don't matter. What are we commanded to do? Love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love each other. Those are our commandments. Those are irrefutable. Right? So anything that's outside of those, 
We need to, we can hash out, we can converse, we can talk about them, we can, in a, in a loving manner, we can glean truth from conversations about these things, but in honor, in love, in respect. Yes. And to the edifying and the equipping of the saints, not to the tearing down of each other, not for I'm right and you're wrong, not a prideful, arrogant fight between because you got too much testosterone flying or you got your feelings hurt and now you want to lash out at somebody to make them feel the way that you feel. I see a lot of that and it grieves me. He says, come to him as a little child, not to be childish and not to be immature. So for those of you that see that going on, we need to uplift and pull up our brothers and sisters that are behaving that way. And we need to call them out and encourage them to stand stronger and to mature. We need to quit disputing over things of no substance that do not change hearts and will not change the world because it's not going to do anything for the body of Christ, but make it look more and more unappetizing, unappealing. And it leaves us distracted from the things that we need to be focused on. And trust me, I'm preaching from some place that I'm walking out because the enemy gets at me just as much. They're so, we have to hold every thought captive. We have to hold every thought captive and say, I want to be used to the fullness that I am meant to be used and I will not be taken down by something so petty. And if I have to fight to get free of that thought so that it doesn't keep coming back, my goodness, then I'm going to fight so that I can be changed, so that I can stand stronger and grow in maturity and be able to encourage and uplift and edify the body of Christ instead of pulling it down and acting like high schoolers. Acting like immature children, acting like brothers and sisters that are there to test and challenge them for the sake of seeing them fall instead of encouraging and edifying them to see them, to see them the way that God sees them Amen. instead of quarreling over face masks and just loving each other and just honoring where that person's at. You know what this has done? This is shaking the church. This is shaking the church. It's shaking the old man. And I want my church to look beautiful and stand stronger at the end of this. I want the old man to shake off of you. I don't want you to crumble and fall. We have a microphone here Thank for you, Cortina. Those are real good points that you're saying there. Here in the book of Luke, that 10th chapter and about that 23rd verse, and Jesus was talking to his disciples. But yet it says here, blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see. So praise God. Seeing is one thing with our eyes, but seeing with the heart 
and hearing with our spirit is another thing. Yes. So you're saying things that are so right and true for this dispensation. As we're walking in the earth realm today, the Lord is calling us to be separate, come out from amongst them and be separate. Yes. And the teachings that you're giving us today are true, right, and in order. God bless you. Thank you, Parthena. Thank you. You know, before I go into First John, so verse 10, but why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There was so much judging of each other back then. That's, one, that's why they couldn't come and be one church. They couldn't come and, and be unified because one was right and one was wrong. And he's saying, no, across the board, all of Romans, he keeps, you're even. You're well, they're coming out of this concept of law. So there is very strict, written down, black and white, this is this, that is that. That's what they're used to. So that's what he's trying to break them free of. <clears throat> so that the heart itself can be changed, not just what you see in the natural, what you think in the natural that tries to keep you on the right track, but your heart changes, mm. and out of love, you fulfill these things. Out of love, yes. not, not because you see it or you think it, but because you, feel, you, you have that passion in your, in your heart. So that's where he's trying to move them out of. And yes, love becomes a measuring stick, basically. Yes. And I've experienced that recently. You know, I, go, I have a disagreement or a judgment on a brother, and I'm like, how do I, how do I approach this in love? I, I, I vent to my wife a lot, and I, and I was like, you know, I can't believe this and that and this, but I don't know what to do because I can't think of any way to say it in love. So I can't say it. So I just keep my mouth shut. If I can't say it in love, it's not edifying. It doesn't upbuild. It doesn't encourage. It only creates division. It's not, if I can't say it in love, there's no purpose in saying it. So, and then usually the Lord comes up, you know, and gives me something the next day or a couple days later. And, and, the Holy Spirit works it out. Yeah. But it's a measuring stick. But it's also because you're pressing in to have that heart changed because you want to do it in love. You don't want to partner with the lens of the enemy and, and judge them. And you don't want to... And as his wife, the other side of that is hearing this. I have to guard my own heart. I have to not judge this brother or this sister or the things that happen. I have to get to a place where my heart grieves for that situation. I'm interceding for the restoration. I'm not sitting there going, well, I can't believe he did that to my husband. How dare him do that? No, I have just as much responsibility to intercede and to make sure that I'm edifying and encouraging and uplifting that situation so that I can be what my husband sometimes needs is that measuring stick. And, and I'll say, well, what, what are you going to say? And he'll say it, and I'll go, yeah, you can't say that yet because <laughs> your heart's not right. And he has to do the exact same thing for me. We've had so many prayer ministries just on our living room floor crying out so that our heart will change about an individual because we need to love them because he tells us to. Because it's the only way the church is going to be strong and be unified. We have to love each other. We have to accept the differences. 
we have to accept we have to accept each other for how we are even if we don't understand them because we each are responsible for our own walk with the Lord. We each walk out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It's not, who are you to, to judge that master's servant? They are the Lord's. They are not yours. They are the Lord's. He, let him do the changing. Let him pursue their hearts. Let him convict them. We don't have to do anything but choose to love them and choose to ask to see them the way that he sees them so that we're calling heaven out of our brothers and sisters so that we're honoring who God wants them to be so we can speak and declare and prophesy the God identity inside of them so that we can rise to be the church that we need to be. <laughs> Holy Spirit. So, 14, I don't even think we need to get into that. No, let's go ahead and move on. <laughs> We're going to uh, go ahead and read 10 through 19. Lord, you're so good. So good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 10 through 19? Yes. But why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written... As I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you're no longer walking in love. Do not just, you know what, we can read it this way. Yet if your brother is grieved because you're not wearing a mask, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy your brother by not wearing a mask for whom Christ died for. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is, is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. So a lot of these arguments go both ways. So you really have to, you can't be like, well, I'm on the mask side, so, because she said it. You have to do it to appease me, you know. The, the, they're believers on both sides, and you, but they both, and from their perspective, have to understand that if what I'm doing makes you feel convicted or makes you feel unclean or makes you feel... Wronged. Wronged. Unloved. I need, I need to check that because Dishonored. I need to be operating out of love, whether it's one side of the argument or the other. There's both sides. So both sides need to check themselves and say, where am I how am I operating in love yes. and honor? Let me make a comment Pastor. here. Um, the, remember, we're talking about 
believers. Yes. All right. We are speaking about believers. We're yes. not we're not saying we're going to wink at sin because he's already dealt with this in Romans 13, right? Don't participate in darkness, wild parties, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, immoral living, quarreling, jealousy. Instead, and he dealt already with the Ten Commandments, right? So we're dealing with the differences brothers. in the house yeah. that are causing stumbling and disagreements that are not worthy of it. Exactly. Okay. Yep. And going back to verse 13, therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. You know, one thing that I love about this house is that Pastor Tom does not want any group, anything associated with this house under the covering of this house to have alcohol. And I love that. The Lord knew what he was doing when he sent us here. Because when the church that we went to in Eagle River for a very long time, the main pastor was in action. He was, they all use their terminology because I don't use this anymore, but their terminology was he was a recovering alcoholic. And the, the associate pastor was brewing his own beer and they would have meetings at a local brew house. And a bunch of the small groups started doing wine tasting to go along with studying the word of God. And I was an alcoholic at that time, struggling to stay sober. And I was surrounded by brothers and sisters that were always drinking. I saw more of my brothers and sisters at the liquor store because I was there every night. And there was always a line and half of them went to my church because it was a big church. And there was a time where Daniel ran into the associate pastor and he smelt like the brewing station. He had been drinking and he was actually out in the middle of the day reeking like beer. And driving. Being around brothers and sisters, because it was wine and the Bible talks so much about wine. That was how the enemy always got at me. You can have wine. Jesus turned water into wine. It's just, it's a safe place. It's with your brothers and sisters. You know, it's not illegal. It's not smoking pot. You can have, you can have some. It always caused me to stumble. And if you are, we live in a different world today. I have very strong convictions about alcohol. I think it is more dangerous to the body of Christ than people give it credit for. But the Lord has really had to check me because I judge, I was judging other Christians that are able to have wine in the privacy of their own home where it's not a sin for them. I know that I can't be in that environment and I make it well known. And I have told the Lord, I know that I can never be under a ministry where the leadership is partaking in that. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to give the enemy even a smidgen of a window of opportunity of I'm just I'm just sick of it. I've battled it my whole life and I've seen it destroy my family and it's still destroying my family. I hate alcohol. I hate it. But I have to check my heart and I can't judge my brothers and sisters that aren't convicted of that. 
they just can't do it where it's going to cause others to stumble. And so this scripture here, it's very important for us to check our heart and make sure that what our conviction is, we stand firm on that conviction. It's not for anybody else. We grow our faith by standing firm on those convictions that the Lord has given us. But if it's going to cause another brother and sister to stumble, you don't do it. You don't do it. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, don't judge anybody anymore and resolve this issue by not allowing yourself in your actions and what you're partaking in to be a stumbling block for your brothers and your sisters. If somebody has got diabetes and heart issues, don't bring them a cheesecake because that's just as poisonous to them as an alcohol, as alcohol is to alcoholic. And when Pastor Tom did an altar call this one time on people that have issues with sugar, almost the whole congregation was up here. Look at the, look at, that's going to be another rabbit trail. I'm not going to go down right now. Yeah, let me, uh, let me make a comment on uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, because now with our society legalizing marijuana, there's, there, are, there are lots of areas that this is open to. Mm -hmm. But it says, be careful. This is in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 9. You must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others that, weak, that are weaker to stumble. If you believe something is wrong, then it's wrong for you. So Paul goes on, he says, you know what? If, if it would cause my brother to stumble, I'll never eat meat again. So the, the point of this all is, don't let your freedom become an issue for someone else. Submit your freedom to honor the brother or sister. Yeah. So when I, you know, when we had people that, we run a halfway house. We have people that struggle, right? And when we had a small group that was opening their house and there's alcohol bottles out there, I'm saying, okay, that ends. Man, you would have thought I called their babies ugly because yeah. it just caused... I just put out an edict, and people left the church. I said, well, I'm sorry. That's the way it if is. If it has that much power over you, it has to be recognized as a problem. Yeah. Anyway, that's the scripture that, uh, but, so in, in any area, it's not just alcohol. But there's areas where it's, no. we're talking about honor and love. Honor and any and kind of love. submitting in humility. My yes. freedom is not a prideful, arrogant act. If it is yes. weak for you, then guess what? I'll follow that. Yeah. Yes. Okay? Yes, Amen. it is giving preference to our brothers and sisters. It's giving them preference, and that's honor. That's what, in fact, you know what? Let's, let's look at that. It's no, it's not religious at all. So let's go to 1 John 2. 1 John 2, verses 3 through 11. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as Jesus walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. And again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. And he who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. 
But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. It's love. It is love. And if you look up the word honor, it is honesty, fairness, and integrity in one's beliefs and actions. It's high respect. It's having high worth for one another, high esteem, high ranking. We're called royalty. We should be holding each other in high esteem. You know, honor is a military, it's, it's used a lot in the military. We're called the army of God, we're royalty. And he's calling Global River Church to be a house of honor. When Jason Wall came to visit, we sat in our living room and he shared how grateful he was for the covenant of our small group and the way that we honored him. We did some wild stuff together for a few years and we grew exponentially. We grew so fast in the Lord. But I was really convicted when he shared his heart for how grateful he was for how much we honored him. And I took it to the Lord and I said, why am I so convicted over this? And I signed up for this leadership course. And the second video was about honor as Danny Silk. The man's amazing. And, and I've heard this message, but it's been a few years. And I listened to it and I just got wrecked. Because I know how to honor a brother or a sister that looks like me. I know how to honor a brother or a sister that has attributes like me. But I don't know how to honor a brother and a sister that doesn't look like me. I don't know how to honor a brother or a sister that doesn't act in a way that I think that they should act. I don't know how to do that. And I asked the Lord, how come I don't know how to do that? And he said, honey, you never got taught. And Daniel and I were talking about it. We grew up in a time where you earned respect through your actions. Over and over again, you, you don't. We weren't even taught honor. It was about respect, no. and you could only earn that by what you did. And the Lord said, Alicia, just ask me how to honor those that you don't know how to honor. It's in Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and you shall receive. We just have to ask them what we don't know. And so I said, okay, I, I need to love them, and I want to honor them, and I want to call out how you see them. I don't want to just honor those that are easy to honor because I love them and, and I have so much in common with them. We need to learn how to honor those that look nothing like us, that don't operate anything like us. That's how we become unified. That's how we grow. That's how we be shining. Because we can look at someone and go, wow, he's so different. And he's going to be able to reach people that I can't reach. 
or as the Lord, I was talking to him about this, and instead of just tolerating individuals or ignoring them because you don't understand them, he wants us to ask him, how do I love them? How do I honor them? How do I encourage what you want brought out? Because we all have a true identity. We all have our true self, and it's only in Christ. And so we just have to ask him, how do you see them? Oh, and I heard something. It was so cool. This woman took account of other people's prophetic words in her church. And the pastor asked her why she did that. And she said, so that I can see them and start calling them the way that the Lord sees them. Mm. And that hit me so hard that that she loves her church and those individuals so much that she would keep account of other people's to do that. And so I just call you all within the sound of my voice. Whether you do this really well, then you, you're uplifting Global River and you're uplifting the church. And I encourage you to teach and disciple others how to do that because so many of us haven't been taught how to honor others that don't look like us. And for those of you that maybe are like me, take yourself to the Lord and say, okay, I need to do this because your word says to, because we need this right now. This needs to change. So. Uh, I just heard in the spirit that somebody needs to know that being silent can be a stumbling block. Being silent. Oh, no, honey, no, no, grab, grab the microphone. microphone Welcome. Hi, welcome. So glad to have you. Anyway, the scripture that came to me was out of Galatians. And Galatians um, chapter 5 is really great. And I'll just read verse 6. Um, and it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is Christ. Um, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And then I was just like thinking about like how in like the Bible times, you know, how there was Jews and Gentiles and about how, you know, like if we can imagine their life, you know, they had like all this law, right? And they were trying to like keep up with the law and, you know, in their hearts they're like, man, I have to keep up with the law. And then Jesus came and it's like, well, all you have to do is believe in me. You have to have faith in me and it has to come out of your heart. And so it, it was just really cool to kind of just like imagine like that's a battle there. Mm -hmm. And then also um, the scripture in Romans uh, 14 was highlighted to me about what you guys read. Um, whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. And then it repeats it again. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. And so it's just really cool to... Well, they're, they're doing it unto the Lord, so then who am I to it's judge It's worship, yes. right? You know, yes. like, yes. or to fight with them about, uh, you know, because some, some people, I have a friend um, that says, well, you should only go to church on Saturdays, right? And so who am I to argue with her and say, no, like, no, I go to church on Sundays. You, you know, like, yeah. there's mm -hmm. nothing, there shouldn't be anything to argue about because, like, well, right. if she really feels fully convinced in her mind, you know, I'm doing this unto the Lord, you know, there shouldn't be, it shouldn't be an argument. Right. Yes. yes. So, it's so good. Yeah. And the scripture that the Lord gave me 
about seeing people the way that he sees them was Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When you have a pure heart and you want to walk in love, you shall see God in your brothers and your sisters. You shall see God. So just to meditate on that. And, and honestly, he had me in Matthew 5, 44 through 48. He had me in Matthew 7, 1 through 5, judge not. He had me in the pearls before swine. It was like, you tell us not to judge, but then you say to not throw out our pearls before swine, but don't we have to judge to be able to know who's the swine and who's not the swine? And he says, no, read 7-7. You ask me, and Mm -hmm. I will let you know who's the swine. Mm -hmm. You don't judge anyone for any reason. You just ask me, and I will direct your steps, your eyes, your ears, and who you need to partner with and who you don't. It's him. He knows all. He sees all. He knows our hearts more than we do. We just have to ask him. Yeah, I want to I want to comment. I'm sorry. What was your name? Welcome. I'm Deanne. Deanne. Um, Hi, Annie. We, we had to confront this thing. We have 105 Global River churches in Nepal that are doing more evangelism to unreached people groups than probably any of our other missions areas. And when I got there as their overseer, uh, which we've been overseeing them now for over 10 years, they celebrate on Saturday. Well, so I, I could go there and I guess they say, well, that's not what we do. But in Colossians 2, it says this, because we've had this controversy, why don't you do it Saturday? Some This whole argument over the church and whether we've been, you know, moved by the Roman works and all. Anyway, in Colossians 2, it says in verse 16, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. Here we go again. Or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For the rules are only shadows of the reality that is yet to come. Christ himself, don't let anyone condemn you for insisting on pious self-denials or worship angels saying that they are... The point of that was, if we had inserted our... I had to ask the Lord. If I had inserted myself and saying, well, we, you know, we celebrate on Sunday, we probably would have messed up culturally where they are. It has to do with an agrarian culture that they're, they're, they're agricultural's part, and uh, they work on Sundays and they don't work on Saturday. That's just the way it is. So my point of this is, we've been talking a lot about freedom and stumbling and it's going to happen in various areas of our culture and society today. And keeping our love on is going to be the key. Amen. And guarding our hearts. Guarding our hearts. Keeping our love on to guard our hearts. Yes, Parthena. And, you know, and that, that's perhaps also why, that's perhaps also why in Scripture it says that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood who should show forth the praises unto God. Mm-hmm. And as I look here in Scripture in, in Colossians here in the third chapters, it says here, the 23rd verse, it says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Amen. So good. It's, it's 100% <laughs> worship in, unto him. All that you do is worship unto him. So good. All that you do with your hands, all that you do at home, all that you do with your friends, with your family, all that you do at church, 
whenever you do it, do it unto the Lord. Do it as worship unto him. Yes. And to stand firm in your faith of whatever he is convicting you to do and to not be swayed by so other Alicia people's So Alicia wants to walk. go ahead and finish up reading this chapter yeah. real quick. I actually want to ask you guys, will you pull up the soaking music a little bit? I want to, we're going to finish, it's verses 19 through 23. And uh, I think you stopped off at 16. A 16, okay. Um, yeah. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for soaking in your presence. I just want, there's just something about the soaking. This is so anointed. I just want to give everybody just an opportunity to just really have a moment with the Lord to get your heart right, to partner with whatever he spoke to you, with whatever's highlighted to you, and just give him your yes of whatever it is he's asking whatever it is he's showing you. I just really felt like there's, there's gonna be, there's just, there's always an exchange that can be made with him. He's just waiting for you to give him your yes. So thank you, Lord. So yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food for the one whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. The kingdom of God is not about meaningless daily situations and things, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men, which means we look appealing to men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another to edify. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak in their faith. Anything. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God, for happy is he who does not consent to condemn himself in what he approves. Meaning, if the Lord has given you permission to eat meat, you eat that meat with gladness. You don't condemn yourself because others can't eat that meat. But he who doubts, meaning he who does not have faith, is condemned if he eats it because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. And there's, this is not just about food. So when you do something, you partner it with faith and he will honor it every time. As long as it's the conviction of the choice he wants you to make. 
So we thank you, Lord, for your, for your word, for your message, for your, your presence. I thank you for the, I thank you that you are always in pursuit of our hearts. You're always in pursuit of our hearts. I thank you for my brothers and sisters that honor Daniel and I by coming here, by watching us online. I thank you that they're hungry for you. I thank you that you, you meet us in our hunger. You meet us when we're seeking, we're asking, we're praying, we're knocking. Thank you for this time of exchange. Thank you, Lord, for what you had prepared for us tonight and for what you released in our hearts tonight. We pray that you place in our hearts conviction to not cause our brothers to stumble, to not offend our brothers, to not bring out weakness in our brothers, but that you put conviction in our hearts to edify each other and upbuild each other and, and unite the body of Christ out of love and of honor. We thank you. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Thank you all. Good night.